Hour number two. Here we go. It's the Gimme Zone right here on The Ref. Josh Elmer alongside my friends, my partners on the uh, show today, Brian Vineyard and Jackson Robottom right here. Talking Masters, anything in the world of golf, you want to chime in with us. Text line is there for you, 405-651-3439. Or uh, Riverwind Casino, call in line, 405-329-9000 if, uh, if something is burning burning on your mind out there in the world of golf we just ended last hour very briefly discussing some tiger woods and it just looks like it's over man it just looks sad for him physically so uh, if you're out there driving around and you've got a thought about that again dial us up 405-329-9000 i know that tiger woods can typically be a pretty polarizing topic out there but hey tiger woods john rom whatever you want to react to in uh, the world of golf from the masters we're here for it the topic we've kind of kept kicking the can down the road this morning, the Rory McIlroy situation. So if you've missed it, Rory McIlroy withdrew from the RBC Heritage this week. This is notable because, well, it's an elevated event, and on the PGA Tour this season, there's a finite number of elevated events where the purses are larger and basically all of the game's biggest stars have to play every elevated event except for one. Rory McIlroy has already missed his one elevated event before this week's RBC Heritage. So, what happens last week? McIlroy searching for the slam, goes out, plays poorly on day two, misses the cut at Augusta National, doesn't do any interviews, by the way, on the way out, doesn't talk to anyone, turns Tuck's tail and runs out of Augusta National, and then lo and behold, the man who, yes, though he's been critical of the idea that you have to play in every designated event, this is the guy. This is the guy that has been Mr. PGA Tour. If you went to the Live Tour, you're a disgrace. It's horrible for golf. I'm Mr. PGA Tour. Rory McIlroy, he's that guy. He's been the face of... All of this criticism for anybody that defected to the Live Tour, he's supposed to be the guy above anybody else that's there through thick and thin through the PGA Tour. What does he do? He doesn't play in the RBC Heritage after he plays poorly at the event he wants more than any other, the Masters, to complete his slam. I just think this is the ultimate crybaby mentality. If there's no injury, which I'm assuming there's no injury because the PGA Tour has already fined him $3 million, which tells me the PGA Tour feels pretty strongly that there's not an injury situation taking place here. If there was, okay, there'd probably be a free pass for McElroy. But there's not because there is no injury. This is nothing more than McElroy needs time to sulk after last week. Josh, there is an injury. It's ego is <laughs> well, injured. Okay. It's severely injured. Hey, I think, and we, we tossed this around a little bit last week, guys. I think the pressure of being that spokesperson is taking a toll on him. And, you know, he's one of the main cogs behind this whole idea of these elevated events and needing to have all the stars there, like you said, Josh, and then he, and then he taps out. When, on the other hand, the easiest guy to have tapped out is their plane. I mean, how easy would it have been for John Rahm to tap out because, hey, I just had a mentally grueling week winning the Masters. I've got to do all these interviews. No, no, no. 
What's Rom do? He doubles down and says, not only am I going to play, I'm playing to win. And I'll let Josh read that quote here in a second. But, you know, the reality is, I agree with you, Josh. He's being a crybaby. Be a man. Do some interviews after you, you shoot a million. That, that's what Tiger used to do, too, by the way. When Tiger shot a bad round in a major, he would not do interviews. Now that he's no longer a real factor in those majors, he's more than happy to give interviews. But, Jackson, what say you? Well, I'm going to go off your interview comment. You know who used to give really good interviews? The most historic, the most historic loser in history, Greg Norman. He used to do interviews all the time. I mean, look at that 87 Masters that Larry Mize snatched from him. He went out there and he gave nothing but glowing remarks. I mean, it is possible to go out there and lose graciously. And a lot of the players now, particularly, namely right now, Roy McIlroy, is not gracious in the fact that he's not playing well. Okay, you're not playing well, so what? Get out there and play it. And John Rahm, who we're going to mention a quote here in just a second, I mean, he he knows full well what his job is out there. The, the rules have been laid out, not to mention... Rory McIlroy, is he going to play in non-elevated events this year at all? I mean, let's answer that honestly. The answer is probably no. Outside of what the tour is deemed elevated, the best players in the world do not have to. I mean, let's be real. Why would they? That's time with their families that they get. So the fact that he's coming, okay, yeah, he shot five over and shot himself out of contention, shot himself outside the cut line. Come back. Look at what Sam Burns did before he went to the WGC. The dude posted like a 10 over before he went and played in the WGC, and he went out and won the thing. Like, it is possible to make a bounce back and not just, I mean, wallow in your defeat. I mean, th- I mean, it's just, it's a poor display from, like, what Brian said is the spokesperson currently of the PGA. This is not what you want, and Rory has put it upon himself to be that guy. You've got to live up to it. That's just leadership of the tour. If you're going to designate yourself as a leader, you carry that responsibility of bearing that load. You have to go out. You have to perform. You don't get that same luxury that these other guys have. You are the guy. You've got to go out there and be the guy. Boy, he played poorly in round two. Look A lot of it. squares on that card, Josh. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, what is it, uh, seven bogeys? Seven bogeys, couple of birdies, and that was it. Five over, round two, and he's done. And the the Masters chase, once again, it will have to wait another year for Rory McIlroy. There's so much here on this. First of all, let's just compare and contrast how Rory's decision to back out of the RBC Heritage uh, what it looks like versus, well, I don't know, the man that won the Masters last week telling you why he decided to play in this week's RBC Heritage, Mr. John Rahm. John, you uh, you mentioned how tired you were earlier in the week. Did you ever think about, uh, you know, maybe I need not to play at Harbortown? Did you did you consider that, uh, that at all leading into this? Oh, it did cross my mind. It did cross my mind, but... Um, you know, I made a commitment earlier on the year, and and I want to honor that commitment, right? Um, I also, you know, talking to Kelly, I put myself on on the shoes of not mainly the spectators, but the kids as well, right? If I was one of the kids, I would want to see the recent Masters champion play good or bad. Yeah, just want to be there, and uh, yeah, I mean, John I and still, I, was... I still, I still intend to hopefully 
doing the the jacket double and taking this one home. I'm not going <laughs> to parade myself, right? But but yeah, uh, I I uh, it did cross my mind, right? Yeah. It obviously I think it would have crossed anybody because I was so tired. But uh, that's why I decided to come in yesterday afternoon and and take it easier and and just give my body a rest before I I got into competition mode. We've come a long way, have we not? From the Oh, John Rahm, he's just got too much of a tipper on the course. Remember that narrative with uh, with John Rahm? He has – this has been a PR masterclass from whoever helps uh, John Rahm get ready for interviews and so on and so forth. He has made himself so likable with the way that he handled uh, honoring Seve winning the Masters. And then this, when you've got McElroy ducking out. It's such a PR mistake – for Rory McIlroy, he's already made himself this lightning rod of I have to be the face of the PGA Tour and I have to shoot down anybody that's made the decision to go to the, the Live Tour. So you've already made yourself a target by taking on that role that you felt somebody had to take on for the PGA Tour. He didn't have to be that guy. He could have politely told Jay Monahan, hey, you've got my support by me sticking on this tour. I'm not going to go be your mouthpiece. No, he chose – Rory McIlroy did to be the mouthpiece and in some ways I think that's very honorable I, I do but with every action there comes an equal and opposite reaction and consequence and the consequence for Rory McIlroy right now is some people don't like you a whole lot based on the fact that you've been so outspoken the PGA Tour versus the Live Tour and now this is just one more thing Brian where the PR side of this to not play this event this week, it just looks so bad after last week, man. You know, John, that interview with John Rahm, one word stuck out to me more than anything, commitment, right? It's what we do in life. You know, it's not a tough job. How many people in the world would give their left arm to be a professional golfer? I mean, I, I know there's two sitting here right next to each other, and you'd probably be the third. But listen to this quote. From John Rahm, after the after his, his round, it's my job, right? I mean, people, it's like I said in the press conference, people pay their hard-earned money to watch me perform. It's my job to perform. They don't care if I slept good or bad, if I feel good or bad. It doesn't matter. As a competitor, the other C word, I'm not ducking anything in that sense. I'm going to go out and try to shoot low. It'd be real easy for him to say, you know, I'm really tired. I'm going through the motions. Probably won't make the cut. But no, no, he doubles down and says, I'm a competitor, made a commitment. I'm going to go try to get the double jacket, Jackson. Uh, man, I mean, like you said, master class. And not even just a master class in PR. I think, I mean, he absolutely believes what he's saying. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, because one, if you didn't believe what you were saying, you wouldn't be here this week. I mean, that's that's just the reality of it. If anyone deserved a break, like Brian said, it was going to be John Rahm after going out and competing four days and coming out on top at the first major tournament of the year, the first major championship. And have all those interviews that he has to do in the days right afterwards. Look at all, you know the parade of interview tour that happens. I mean, right? Well, I, I was actually just listening to John Rahm's Wednesday interview from, you know, to preview the RBC Heritage. He was talking about how the, the Sunday night, after being crowned the Masters champion, after getting the green jacket, he didn't realize how intensive the entirety of that night was, meeting all of the members and so on and so forth. So, yes, it's been a circus, guys, since winning. And all, all of that to say, he has still 
gone out and he has still given no excuses. He's gone out there and he's been playing his absolute heart out, and he has gone out there with a winner competitor mentality. And that's something that I think a lot of people need to learn from. It has certainly upped my respect for the guy in a lot of different ways because it's so easy to just go out there and say, what Rory did, I'm tired, I'm not going to play. Well, it's it's guys, it's like when we had our our our, uh, our guy Taylor Moore on earlier in the year who won, you know, his first event. You know, remember how many he told us how many interviews he had just for that? Oh, that yeah. wasn't a major. He said he was just exhausted from those, but he was gracious enough to come on here, which we greatly appreciate. But sometimes you're a competitor, you gotta dig down and dial it up. And that's where I I'm questioning Rory right now whether he really can go forward being the face of the PGA Tour, or is the pressure of that starting to impact his game? Well, I'm looking at a story here from uh, from Fox, and they've, they've taken this thing and run with it. Chubby Chandler, who was Rory McIlroy's former manager, albeit from, from way, way back. Let's see. He was, uh, he was his manager from 2007 up until 2011. So really not for much of McIlroy's professional career, but, hey, he's got opinions on what what some of this face of the PGA Tour has done to Roy McIlroy. Let's share it with you next. He's got some pretty fiery comments on McIlroy. Again, they do have an existing prior relationship. No, it wasn't for the majority of McIlroy's wins or the, the bulk of his uh, professional success on the tour. But he didn't really pull any punches on McIlroy. And I think it's pretty interesting, and it gets into – a heart of a debate and discussion, Brian, that that you brought to the forefront quite a bit with McElroy, and it only gets more pronounced now after a Masters flameout. So let's do that next. What did uh, McElroy's ex-manager have to say? We'll share it with you next right here on The Rev. Hey, I'll say this on behalf of one Rory McElroy. You're picking him for the Open. Oh, yes. Well, I think he'll win the next three majors, well, yes. All right, hold on a minute. The Open is not a bad bet this year because it is back at Hoylake where he won. I know. So <laughs> that's not a maybe, bad bet. Maybe he can uh, double dip it. Not a bad bet. Um. Hey, it must be nice to just basically turn your nose up at $3 million. So Rory McIlroy's got that going for him. That's that's not too bad to just basically say, yeah, whatever. You, you can find me $3 million. But uh, McIlroy, okay, so he – he opts out of the RBC Heritage. It's an elevated event. McElroy has already missed one elevated event, so the PGA Tour has fined him $3 million because guess what? Everybody that's uh, one of these stars is supposed to play in the elevated events. McElroy chose against that, and it uh, it's not been received well. So there's, there's all sorts of opinions on McElroy just flaming out of the Masters in general. Remember, he came charging late last year, but, you know, it's he's not really had a Masters where the first two rounds he played great, third round he played pretty good, and legitimately he was one of the favorites going in into the final day. We haven't seen that since uh, way back when he, he lost his chance at a green jacket. This, as you know, is the final piece of the Grand Slam that Ma- uh, that McElroy is missing is the Masters. Well, his former manager, Chubby Chandler, in uh, in the aftermath of McElroy's latest non-Masters victory, he's accused the PGA Tour star of becoming a mouthpiece 
for the uh, PGA Tour, which I don't think will surprise anybody to hear that. I think we've pretty much said as much, and probably anybody following golf has said as much about McElroy. But uh, his his old manager, Chubby Chandler, feels like, yes, the debate that you've brought up quite a bit, Brian, he thinks he's putting extra pressure on himself because of the mouthpiece situation and just simply to try and track down this grand slam. He said, quote, uh, which British newspaper was he talking to? I guess it's unimportant. But he said, quote, if you were a betting man, you would probably bet against Rory winning, end quote. He has made winning the Grand Slam a bigger thing in his head than it actually is. He's not really driven by a number of wins or majors per se, but he seems to be driven by wanting to win the Grand Slam. It's a massive mental block, and it's getting harder and harder. Every time he gets there, he has the pressure from everyone else, but also he has the pressure from himself. To me, he's got carried away as a mouthpiece of the PGA Tour, He's doing things he shouldn't be doing and opening his mouth far too often. The interview on the fairway at the Masters, absolutely brilliant TV, but not good for Rory McIlroy. You can't be having a chat with a guy in the commentary box about the day and the way he's playing or whatever, then get over a wedge and give it 100%. You would have never gotten Jack Nicklaus doing that, and you never would have gotten Tiger Woods doing that, end quote. So a lot to dissect there. Let's start with the mouthpiece portion of it. You would agree, Brian. Yes, I, I think it's putting pressure on him. And I, and I think, it, you know, I, I don't think he's the right guy to be doing that in the first place. You know, first of all, he's a European, you know. So you would think you'd want somebody that had played full-time their entire life on the PGA Tour to be that mouthpiece. And I think in some degree Billy Horschel's tried to be that, but nobody cares about Billy Horschel. He's right? not enough of a winner. He doesn't have the no. same gravita. But, but I'm focused on the name Chubby. I'm changing my name. I mean, right? right. Jackson, I mean, if your name's Chubby, are you changing your name? Well, it's a little bit alarming on a well, Saturday here's morning. The thing. Here's the thing. We don't know if that's his legal first name or not. I mean, there's a caddy on the tour that simply goes by Fluff. I mean, that's Jim Furyk's caddy. I mean, he just goes by Fluff. And, I mean, J- Jim Mackay goes by Bones. So it's maybe... on Fox News, so it's got to be gospel. Got to be gospel. Gotta, you guys, you're you're absolutely right. If it's on the Internet, it has to be true, right? <laughs> Indeed. But, no, I think, I think you know, I keep bringing this up because I do think it's putting pressure on him. And I do think – I do agree with what Chubby said, one Chubby to another. So, I, I mean, I, I can definitely to to feel that pain. Uh, is that I, I think he's so fixated on winning that career Grand Slam that it's impacting his ability to think Win the clearly Grand Slam. and play that game. And, you know, those, you know, if you're in a non-elevated event and you want to do those on-course interviews, that's fine. But that should never happen in a major. I'm sorry. You know, imagine if they'd have had that on Patrick Cantlay in the last round. They would have had to cut to commercial break <laughs> before you hit the next shot. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're not wrong. I, they might actually need to consider doing that. It might speed up his play a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're going to have a six-minute commercial break, <laughs> and he's still looking at the putt. That video that circulated of Patrick Cantlay, oh, my gosh. The one I, you sent me was awesome. Oh, my. It looked like they had looped it. Yo. Terrible. Yeah. Have you seen what we're talking about? I have seen that, yeah. It was it was painful. It was painful. But I back mean, to the subject at hand. I apologize. No, it's okay. But th- th- that opens that opens a discussion here. If If Rory is not the guy. Who is the guy? I mean, let's let's. I mean, I feel like that's a fair. Like, who could we honestly all agree on? Could still could be the 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 representative between players and PGA, and still go out and perform very very well, because 
I agree. Rory is not necessarily handling it particularly well, particularly over over the live issue and going out and playing. I don't know who would though. That's the thing, and if that means that bingo, yeah, I don't that. I've got an idea, fellas. Well, I want to hear it, Brian, and because I'm a little stumped here. We've talked about this before. I mean, Jay Monahan can't do it because no, quite, <laughs> quite frankly, you know, until this whole deal you sprung up the common person didn't even know who the PJ Tour commissioner was, right? No, and he's they, handled they, it. And he's handled it poorly, as we've discussed. Right. But we've also talked about who could be the next commissioner that could handle this and have the respect of the players. One, Eldrick Tiger Woods. It would be the perfect time for him to just just jump into that role. Now, Jay Monahan's probably saying, that's okay, I'm going to – I'm going to stick here with my big bag of cash. Hey, but what? It's one thing for you and I to sit here and say that would be great, and I agree with you it would, but it's another thing for Jay Monahan to just politely say, yes, I will step away from my massive annual paycheck. How quickly would they fire him, though, if Tiger Woods told about five of the top guys, JT and Rory, hey, I'd like to be commissioner. It's over for Jay at that point. I'm sorry. I mean, it would happen faster than a lightning strike. You're absolutely right, but would Tiger do it, though? That's the question. I mean... I feel I get the sense that when when Tiger steps away, he's just gonna he want he wants to just step away. I ju- that's the sense I get. I honestly do because or does he I, right? I mean, so I'll take the opposite side of that, Josh, and and I'll and you tell us what you think. I'm taking the opposite side of that because he's more willing to do interviews now than he ever has, win or lose, well, right? And he keeps playing, which tells me that he's addicted to the attention. Addicted to the competition, the attention, and you could still have that by being the commissioner. Try, I mean, could you not be a massive hero if you if you took over the reins as Tiger Woods and found a way for everybody to get along where you don't have this huge divide between the tours and the fans can see the best players all the time? You would be hailed, no doubt. It, it would be. One of the in, in a long lengthy list, it'd be one of the great achievements but of he, Tiger but, Woods' professional career. But right now, we've talked about how hard that would do be to get done. No doubt, Tiger Woods might have the best chance of anybody to get that done because guess what? He's Greg, got the respect of everybody in the room. Greg Norman can say whatever he wants, but if Tiger Woods calls him and says, "Hey, let's figure this out," uh, he's taking Tiger's call. No doubt, agreed. I I don't know. I'm I might be in, I think I'm in the minority between you two on this one. I I because one of the things that I do see in a lot of his media presence now, he talks about the importance of his family. He talks about the importance of being with his kids and being there supporting them as they're growing up. I think Tiger wants that. I think he wants to step away and focus on giving his kids, you know, the the attention of a dad, sure. you know? I I I don't think that if he goes into that role, He's going to feel like he can adequately get that done. And so I, it's tough for me to buy that Tiger Woods would ever make a bid to go into this uh, administrative type of role for, for the players. I definitely think he'll go up to bat. He's still going to have all of that pull because he's Tiger Woods. You know, he's still going to have all of that pull. He's still going to, you know, be an attention piece anytime he makes an appearance. But he really wants to focus on his kids and be a fam- be more of a family man than he has been. Especially, look at how much he's talked about his dad and reminiscing about the times that he misses with family. He wants that relationship. He and it's he wants to give that chance to have that relationship his kids had. It was the same one that he had with Earl. 
I mean, I think that's where he wants to go once he steps away. That's the impression I'm getting from Tiger Woods. But, Josh, how demanding is that job anyway? I mean, he has a whole slew of people doing the, all the legwork for him. It's oh, not, he could zoom yes. in. Yes. I mean, Tiger could – I mean, that's a CEO-level job where, where basically you're picking and choosing where I want where to be. be, right? You're, he's not going to every event. So – that's the only reason I would push back on you there, Jackson, is that he especially could, he could if, do both. if Tiger could accomplish both and still be really relevant and really in the limelight and people still really want to talk to him and interview him, just throwing it out there, a little spice. And I agree with both of you, but I agree with what Brian just said, that because of who he is and I think Tiger Woods could basically get the assurances, hey, if you're the PGA Tour Commission, yes, you can, you can do both. You, you have the freedom to set your schedule up in a way. I mean, he's a PGA Tour commission. He can be where he wants to be when he wants to be there. Now, the Masters and certain events, obviously, you got to be at the majors, but I don't he know. He wants that, to be there anyway, right? No doubt. But it's not like he has to, like, the RBC Heritage, he doesn't have to be there Thursday through Sunday. And speak, let's talk about that real quick, Josh. What a poor planning job by the PGA Tour to Terrible. make this an elevated event the week after a major. I mean, who thought that that was a great idea? And, and okay, so I, I've bashed McElroy to start this hour. He's at least right on that respect. If this is just a big public posturing in that regard that, look, you're not going to have elevated events the week after a major, hey, bravo, because Rory is right about that. There's no reason that they have an elevated event the week after the Masters or after the U.S. Open or after the PGA or the Open Championship. It is so dumb from the PGA Tour. It makes no sense. But also, why why the RBC Heritage? Exactly. I mean, why that tournament? I mean, I understand. You get, you get big names playing. I get the courses, you know, got kind of a history with the PGA Tour. But this is not the tournament you elevate. I mean, this is... It's a very questionable decision because, yeah, you get some big names here. Like Jordan Spieth obviously has a history here at Helton Head. But I don't understand. I mean, it's not the waste management. This isn't like Muir, this isn't like the workday at like the Muirfield where, you know, it's Jack's tournament. You know, that I understand wanting to give Jack the credit. I understand obviously wanting to make the Masters uh, and, the, and, the, and the Majors and – even the World Golf Championships, this event makes very little sense. You're knocking the coolest lighthouse on tour. I, I, I'm shocked by it. No, you're exactly right, It is Jackson. the coolest lighthouse on tour, <laughs> it, yeah. I admit. I mean, that's the only thing anybody remembers about that course is the lighthouse in the background of the, of the approach shot on 18. You know, my own son asked me, like, I, I've never seen this golf course on TV before. Nobody, nobody went to this tournament. That's why Davis loved the third one at five times because <laughs> most of the top it. names tapped out. Well, the execution, the, the thought process was good from the PGA Tour. The execution here has been poor from the PGA Tour. To answer your question, why this tournament, the idea is what we just discussed. Davis Love III is the only guy that you know is playing this in the past. The idea is to bring shine to a golf course that historically has not had that type of attention or shine. Now, the execution portion of it, 
Move it back one week if you're going to have it be one of the elevated events. Don't have it get played the week right after the Masters. You can have your cake and eat it too. It can have its moment in the in the limelight, and then just for one year, if it's one of your elevated events, which it's not an every year elevated event, it, I think this will be one of the rotational elevated events. So I, that, that part's good. Let everybody occasionally get to be an elevated event. But – Man, just don't do it the week after a major. I agree. Now, listen, me and Brian were talking about this a little bit during one of the breaks. How much better would an elevated Zurich Classic be, where you have the two guy, where you have the, where you have the pre, the team format, and you go out there and you have four balls and you have alternate shot, right? That would be a great elevated event because now all the best players in the world are going out there and it's playing. It's a good with teams. showcase for the game of golf. Yeah, and sure, that course is a birdie fest most weeks, but that's what the course is designed to be. And so you get out there and how the strategy in picking your partner, the strategy in going out knowing that, oh, my goodness, like there's a lot of money riding on this team format now. That would be a much better tournament to make elevated strictly because it's more interesting. You get a much different feel, much different playing style with it compared to something like the RBC Heritage. That would be a much better tournament to make elevated because the bigger names are now going to be playing on teams and it all is going to bounce off of them. I mean – Brian, does that not seem like a smarter idea? It does. I, I'm starting to think maybe you're going to take Jay Monahan's job instead of Tiger after this. You, I mean, you keep vote. coming up with good ideas. You're, I mean, hey, Jay, don't return his phone call. He's coming after your job. That's right. You're on, you're on the uh, cutting block, Jay. Hey, is that a real thing that happened that you sent to me, the, the live in the PGA Tour? Is that just – no, an idea. We don't know because it was a okay, – I, well, I let, think it's okay. an idea right now. I think it's leave, a leave spoof. It I really do. I, I, yeah, I think it is too, but we can at least discuss it next. So sure. tease it for everybody out there. Okay, so the, the, the article in question that we're talking about, there was a post by My Golf Spy not too terribly long ago about a proposal for a PGA and Live-style Ryder Cup tournament. Okay, so there you go. And I don't think it's real – I don't think there's any weight to it, but I love the idea, and let's let's discuss Absolutely. it. It's on the internet. It's got to be real, Josh. Well, fair. Uh, touche. Let's discuss it next right here on the Gimme Zone. couple more segments here. It's the Gimme Zone on the ref. Hope you're having a terrific Saturday out there. Again, friendly reminder to our millions upon millions of valued listeners here of the Gimme Zone. Just know there is there is no live show Next week. Uh, we do, however, have the Crosstown Clash golf show. That is uh, krefsports.tv, 7 o'clock, Wednesday night from Buffalo Wild Wings in Norman, right off of Highway 9. But with the OU spring game next week, that means there, there's no show for us. So we're like Roy McIlroy. We're just we're opting out. Hey, you know, that's intro song. Uh, we're sending out the SOS right now for Rory. Yes. Where are you, Rory? Please do an interview to let us, let everybody know that you haven't entered a facility for some mental health treatment. Hey, I, I want to talk about the, the Live PGA Tour arrangement. Can they get a Ryder Cup style event? I, I wanted, though, before we put a wrap on today's show, I want to talk a little bit more about some of his, his ex-manager's comments. First of all, I get what he's saying that Jack and Tiger would have never done that in a major. But, I mean, do you guys subscribe to that? Was it a mistake for Roy to do a fairway interview? I guess for me, I'm like, can you not just hit the golf shot? Is it really that big of a distraction? I I don't think so because you're taking two extreme 
elite golfers from a substrata of other very elite golfers. Like, you could have easily gotten Lee Trevino to do that. I mean, easily. You could have easily gotten, obviously, he's, you know, not one of the elite, but Boo Weekly would have absolutely done that. Hey, Boo would have nailed back a beer and then done it right after that. John right? Daly. John Daly would have been perfect. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you would have gotten golfers to do that. And it makes sense that, I mean, it's a good idea. The talk back with the studio portion of it, that part I can at least entertain as maybe that's a mistake. The mic'd up deal, mic all these golfers up. That We're way overdue for that. Absolutely. No, I love it. You know, to me, if you're walking down the fairway after you hit your shot on the green and, and you're just talking about, hey, I hit a little cut seven in there, you know, because the, the golf fan wants to hear what you hit. They Because right. the average golf fan looks at it and goes, oh, he's 180, he hits a seven iron. I hit my seven iron 180. You know what I mean? That's what they do. And that's that's kind of the whole debate with changing the golf ball is now, you know, the average golf fan has no comparison stick if you change the golf ball. That's true. And, I mean, they did that at Riviera, I mean, for the Genesis. I mean, they mic'd Colin Morikawa up. He yeah. didn't have any issues with that. I mean, he went out, he hit good shots. I mean, yeah, he missed a putt after he hung up the phone, but he went out there. It didn't seem to have affected his game. I think it kind of got him out of his head a little bit. In a lot of, in, in some ways, I think it could help you because you're also speaking your strategy into a microphone. I mean, it provides a lot of clarity when you speak something into existence. That's one of the reasons that people do it. And, you know, when people always think about something, they say verbalize it and see if it makes sense. Well, and Josh, when they ask you those questions, they're throwing you a softball, right? They're not throwing you anything hard right no. then. They're giving you a softball. The other thing from our man, Mr. Chubby Chandler, the ex-McElroy manager that I wanted to touch on, I, I disagree with something he said. I don't, uh, I don't agree. He said, quote, he's not really driven by number of wins or number of majors per se, but he seems to be driven by wanting to win the Grand Slam, end quote. He's definitely driven by wanting to win the Grand Slam, but I think he's driven by all of it. And I think ever since he got major number four, it went into McElroy's mind, I can be the next Tiger Woods. I can be the next Jack Nicklaus. I can stack up all these major championships. So I disagree with what Chubby Chandler said there. I think that McElroy has been obsessed with it, and I think it, I think it permeates beyond Augusta National. And I think he's hung up on how many majors can I get, and it's morphed into now, why am I stuck on four? I couldn't agree more, Josh, because it, when you're out there as a top-tier player, how could you not be driven by trying to win and racking up you know, skins every single week, right? Jackson, I mean, am I wrong about that? You're not. And, I mean, one of the things he, one of the things he, he said – I. It may have been in the full swing doc. It may have been in one of the U, uh, USGA documentaries. But he said it's been seven years since he won his last – well, excuse me. It would have been 2014. would have been eight years. Nine years now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, almost nine. nine years since he won his last major. So he said for him it's like going out and trying to win your first major. That's a no-no because you know you've done it before. I mean, I know that it's been a while – but he has re-added the pressure of winning his first major again. Yeah. And so you go out there and you've psyched yourself out of thinking, Can hey, I do this? Exactly, because now you're not saying, I can. You're saying, I'm trying to go out and do this. Yeah, that, Instead that of is knowing pretty, that you can do that, this. That is an alarming quote for sure. I totally Well, agree. guys, Nicholas went through this, right? Remember, it, it seemingly at one point as his career looked like he was going to win all the majors. You know, even though many of them were tight, close wins – but then he had that drought, you know, where he thought, 
I'm never going to win another one. Then 1986 comes about, and yes, sir. Right? Absolutely. I mean that. I mean that 86 win was just magical. I mean, in in so many different ways. And Rory has got to figure out that he is a Hall of Fame player. He is a Hall of Fame caliber golfer. He's gone out and he's won over 20 PGA Tour events. He's got multiple major titles to his credit. And a bunch of worldwide wins, and by the way. And a ton of worldwide wins. You're absolutely right. This is one of the most elite golfers you're going to find. And on his best day, only two people can match him right now. And they're the top three players in the world. He needs – you know what he needs? He needs a little bit more Brooks Kapke in him. Oh, absolutely. He, he needs to just – who gives a – you know what? It just like, dude, it's been it's been a decade basically now. At this point, you're playing with house money if you're going to get another one or not. So you need to just take that approach. Stop putting so much pressure on yourself. Just just tell yourself, ah, whatever happens, happens. I'm one of the best golfers in the world. Stop thinking so much and just go swing the sticks. Well, that's exactly why he tends to kind of backdoor into high finishes at the Masters that he doesn't win is. You know, after the, when he makes barely makes a cut and he just goes out and shoots 67, 65 on the weekend, oh, he finishes third, two shots back. Well, he never really was in contention, but he was so far back that he could just go play free and easy, and then look what happens. Ex- to your point, Josh. Exactly right. And the other thing about it is we've seen this before, and we talked about him, uh, one Mr. Phil Mickelson. Look at the pressure. When he was putting himself in the pressure of winning that U.S. Open year after year after year, how many times? How, how well did he actually start playing in the U.S. Open? I mean, let's be real. He started playing worse. I mean, look at 2018. I mean, at Shinnecock where he had that big debacle and hit the ball while it was still rolling down the hill. I mean, he's. Pl- I mean, it makes it drives you insane as a golfer when you go out and you put all of that pressure and you try to figure out and <laughs> strategize how you're going to win. All it's going to do is make it worse because that is what your focus is. You're not thinking about everything else. And then when you're there, it's like, this is it. This is it. This is it. Nobody operates well when you put yourself under a microscope, under a microscope that small. Not, uh, not Phil's finest moment. Just uh, in closing on the show today, the, uh, the, the Live Golf PGA Tour Ryder Cup joint event. I love how they published that. It looked like it was like, like breaking news, did it not? But it's clearly not. It's just really an idea. But when you said that to me, it had me convinced, oh, man, they've come to some sort of an agreement. It's definitely not. Which is why I sent it to you, because I feel like, yeah, I mean, obviously this is something that's, I mean, it's been fabricated to a large capacity. But it doesn't mean it's not an interesting talking point for, for golf aficionados and golf nuts like ourselves. I would love to be the guy selling the ads for that, because I think they'd be pretty easy to sell. <laughs> no doubt. Absolutely. And s- and so it, it's operating under the guise. So the, the the championship trophy they've named it is going to be the Odium Cup. And the, the, the premise of that, I forget his name, but the gentleman with the last name Odium, they, they, they would have elected this because he was a guy who, during when he was playing, he played on every professional tour that was available at the time. And so they were operating under that guise. And it says on the article it was slated for April of 2024, which seems aggressively paced if it was going to happen at all. Indeed. But I don't think it's going to happen. April? It wouldn't happen in April. I know, right? (laughs) A year year from now, right? I mean, that's just it. Yeah, no. But I feel like it's an interesting time. Well, we know McElroy won't be be taking part if it's in April. No, that's that's. But if it's on Saturday or Sunday, he'll be available. (laughs) It's a (laughs) two-dayer. 
Uh, well, anyway. I, think, I think that's where we got to close the show. That's that's it right there. I think so. I we so. we got to close everybody. this thing by actually making some picks. That we got one more break. We got to get in right. Let's get it in. Let's get it in. Then come back and we'll actually do some picks because there is a tournament, an elevated tournament that yeah, most people probably aren't paying that much attention to. But we got some local flavor there. Okay, so let's make some picks next. It's the Gimme Zone. One final time, we are back. Back with you live. It's the Gimme Zone right here on the ref. He, ladies and gentlemen, is Jackson Rowbottom. He, ladies and gentlemen, is Brian Vineyard. And I'm Josh Elmer here closing up shop with you on the ref. It's the Gimme Zone. Been a fun show. Been a fun show. Talking uh, John Rom capturing the Masters, uh, bemoaning some poor decision-making from one uh, Rory McIlroy. And all of this while, yes, we do have an elevated event, a golf tournament taking place. But you know what? Look, it's the dust settling on the Masters, sort of with all peace and love and respect, RBC Heritage, probably on a golf show that we only get to do weekly. That's going to supersede the action on the course itself this week at the RBC Heritage. Though the uh, the leaderboard is uh, an interesting leaderboard. Some big names kind of starting to lurk. You got Jimmy Walker, Oklahoma City native, on top of the board. Man has not won since since the PGA Championship 2016. Seven years ago. Yep. And he's 12 under par. Does he get it done this week, gentlemen? Well, since we're running late, we'll wrap this up fairly quickly. I am not going with Dynamite J.J. Walker. I'm going to go with other local flavor, Victor Hovland. All right. I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth. I'm going to say he goes back-to-back this year. Going the chalk, huh? I'm going the chalk. I'm going the chalk. I'm going to take Jordan Spieth. I'm going to say he has a good weekend. All right, Josh. Where is he at on the board? Is Spieth just a little ways? uh... Spieth is at 7-under, tied 19th right now. Has not started his day yet. Okay, so he's got a chance. Defending champion. Gosh. This is riveting, is it not? Oh, yes. Good good radio here. You could go with Rom back-to-back. I I don't think think Rom's going back-to-back, though. He's already 3-under. Already birdie, birdie, birdie to start today. That would be impressive if he went... Won a major and then won the tournament immediately following. That's after, Tiger-esque. After 72. I already, and, uh, know, I already know who he's picking. Who do, you think, who do you think I'm going to take? The X-Man, Xander Shoffley. That's who, we're, that's who we're saying. I think it will be Scotty Scheffler. All right, all right. The other chalk. That's right. Yeah, I had to, I had to find. I'm really hoping it's Jimmy Walker, though. I think that'd be, uh, hey, that'd be and, awesome. And our local guy, Taylor Moore, 7-under. I'd love to true. see him make a run and, and put some big bank in his account this week. Indeed. Where is uh, Fowler at? He was 7-under uh, as well, I think, at one point. Did he just drop back one shot or a couple of shots? He might have moved up the board, too. Well, it's going to be interesting this weekend from the RBC Heritage. Any closing thoughts here from either of you? We're in for a wild major championship year. I mean, it's going to be telling. I'm ex- we're, we're excited. Got a, got a big-time uh, domino that fell in major number one. Hey, that's going to do it for us. Thank you to uh, all of you fine folks for listening every single week. Remember, no gimme zone next week. We'll reconvene in two. Everybody uh, have a nice weekend. So long, everybody.